All right, let's do this. How are you? What the fuckers? What the fuck buddies? What the fucksters? What the fuckadelics? What's happening? It's Mark Marin. This is WTF. This is my podcast. How are you? Today on the show is uh, the amazing Matt Sweeney. Don't know who Matt Sweeney is? You should. I'll explain it to you later. All right? Okay, but let's do this now. couple things. Australia, Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane, October 16th and, and around there. Go to WTFpod.com, uh, go to my calendar, and you can get informed on when I'm going to be there. Things are looking up. Everything's okay. I'm looking forward to come to Australia. I, yeah, I think I'll be worth it. I'm going to put on a good show. I'll give you, I'll give you the extra added, and I'll, I'll hang out and press the flesh and take some pictures and hold some babies if you'd like. I'm not encouraging anyone to bring babies to the show. All right, that was uh, troublesome. September 19th, I'll be at PodFest. And my guests on the live podcast will be a Los Angeles radio legend, Jim Ladd, and Los Angeles other radio legend, uh, Fraser Smith. We're going to talk about the old days, back when uh, podcasting was some sort of weird, futuristic idea that no one even came up with. What? Doing a pre-recorded radio show in your house? Come on! That's crazy talk. What? The President of the United States is going to come to your house? No way. You're out of your fucking mind, man. You should be on medicine. What else? Oh, yeah, John Hodgman was supposed to come on. We were going to hang out and do something because he's got a thing going on, and I like to help my pals. I like Mr. Hodgman. Hodgman and I have been through some shit. I lost two of his fucking episodes before we finally nailed one. I didn't lose one. I lost one. The other one stunk, not because of him, because of the situation. It was a live situation. But then we got a good one, but he's out and about. He's out on the road. He's on tour with his new show, Vacation Land. Over the weekend, it kicked off, but you can see him all over the country for the next few weeks. Go to johnhodgman.com slash tour to see the Hodge man. So, Matt Sweeney. All right, here's the deal with Matt Sweeney. Blake Mills, Matt Sweeney's a guitar player, but he's also a guy that, I think he's a guy that people like to have around, and that's not a bad quality. Blake Mills said, you and Matt Sweeney got to hang out, and I'm like, who's Matt Sweeney? So then I start looking into Matt Sweeney. He does this thing for uh, on YouTube for Vice, I believe, called Guitar Moves, and it's just him sitting with a guitar player, him trying to learn shit from the guitar player. I can appreciate that. Matt seems like a pretty good guitar player, but I still don't know who he is. Then I find out Matt's in this band called Chavez. I don't fucking know anything about Chavez because I'm not late to the party. I just missed the fucking party completely, but fortunately now, the party's ongoing. There's no more missing the party. So I get uh, Chavez's Greatest Hits, which is a you know like a double CD. I listen to that sort of over and over again uh, in Florida, kind of punk rock kind of art rock kind of math rock whatever you want to call it it's a thing so then i'm like so now i'm in the matt sweeney situation i understand matt sweeney and then i remember i got this fucking record from drag city by uh, matt sweeney and bonnie prince billy will oldham i got a lot of will oldham records i can only take so many at a time i listen to them slowly but the matt sweeney will oldham record Super Wolf is a fucking great record. It's one of those records. I didn't really know who Matt Sweeney was. I knew a little bit about Will Oldham and Bonnie Prince Billy, but Super Wolf, I put it on without knowing anything. And I'm like, what is this magical piece of fucking wax? God damn it. What is this? The Super Wolf album is fucking monumental. It's one of the best records I fucking have. I love that goddamn record. And that's a Matt Sweeney will oldham joint that thing so now i'm a little more hip to matt sweeney and then i finally meet him and man like we hung out in new york he went with me we went to an amp shop we played some guitar he showed me some burnside licks 
And then we hung out. He's, he's part owner of a fucking veggie burger down there in the East Village called Superiority Burger. But he's one of those dudes, you know, you know those dudes you meet in your life where you're like, that, I wonder what that dude's up to. Let's call him up and see what's going on with him. He's that guy. I've never been that guy. No one has ever said, man, maybe we should call Marin and have him come. That's never happened unless it was out of sympathy. But Sweeney seems like one of those cats where it's sort of like, yeah, I kind of want to hang around with that guy. He seems cool. He may not cop to that, but I think that's uh, I think that's sort of who he is. But he's got some fucking stories, man, because he he was sort of around it. He's like he's kind of like I don't know how you describe it, but shit just happens to him, and they and they're pretty important somehow. And he makes great music. And then I find out from him that you know he was vol- he's involved with the Endless Boogie record. That he's involved with um like you know him and Blaker buddies. He played he. he it's crazy. You, you 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 just have to listen to it. And then he just told me that he's part of this other thing. That of course I maybe you pitchfork readers know about this shit. But I don't fucking know about shit. I don't know about anything. But this Soldiers of Fortune record, which is like like some super group of alt people: Kid Millions, Barry London, Jesper Eklo, Brad Trow, Mike Bones. I didn't know any of those people till this morning. <laughs> but anyways uh, i'm happy matt and i are friends we send back uh we send uh, he sends me music to listen to and we chit chat about shit about guitars and things he's a good cat and uh this was a fun talk before i bring you matt sweeney the music on today's show is some of my guitar noodling that's been mixed with full instrumentation by this dude dj copley he's on twitter as web puppy 45 if you want to check out his stuff Matt Sweeney, now, now. I've had this. This is like the $90 chocolate. Yes. From, I, where the fuck do they make this? They make it in Brooklyn. Right. And I'm friends with the guys, and I asked them, because they would give it, they give this shit to me for free, and yeah. I got addicted to it, so I was eating like two a day. I was like yeah. working on a record. So I, like I was hooked. That's you know? how they get you. Yeah, You're exactly. friends. Yeah. But like, so like, here's the thing about, about you, Matt Sweeney. Yes. Huh. Who the fuck aren't you friends with? Huh? <laughs> I mean, I like you. You got a chocolate connection. You got, you know, Johnny Cash. I'm you know, old. You, Sam Dillon taught you how to play guitar. Not even a <laughs> Dillon that plays guitar. <laughs> He's the best guitar player, Dylan. Adam, Sam Dylan. He's, he's he's incredible. How'd you know that guy? He went to Hampshire College. Uh, you like, went to Hampshire? No, I went to Northwestern. But three, my three best friends from New Jersey all went to Hampshire College, all kind of separately. You and, grew uh, up in uh, New Jersey? Uh huh. In uh, Maplewood and South Orange. My dad taught at Seton Hall University. What What did he teach? He was Chaucer. He's all Chaucer, just it, Canterbury Tales all day I long. I mean that and classics. Medieval English was was his specialty, and he's taught there for fifty years. And by the end, he just got to like do an honors class where he would tri- like Once take him around the world. Yeah, he, and he would he would have like a month long trip that he would take a class to and stuff. He, so he grew up in academia. Yeah, I did. Yeah, and your mom I mean, was she a teacher? My mom, my mom met my dad when she was teaching at Seton Hall, but then she became a lawyer and then became a judge. Your mom's a judge, federal judge. You, <laughs> to this day to this day and your dad's a, an academic he a he's, scholar he's no longer with us but he uh yeah he was well I, he was an academic but he never published he was he he was a jesuit right yeah and uh in 1957 
he left, which is Vatican II. Does anybody know about Vatican II? Do you sure, know about Vatican sure. II? I, I mean, I'll, I'll pretend like I do. Okay. I, d- I remember it being something. The Catholic Church changed all their rules, right. and they kind of got lax, and they got rid of the Latin Mass, and they got rid of everything that my dad was interested in, like all the kind of incense and uh, kind of... Uh, all uh, the witchcraft. Yeah, pretty much. Because yeah, like, the-, like the, the, the Jesuits are into the... the, uh, the what's the word? You know... Uh, not magic with a K, but uh, you know, spiritual <laughs> sure. and and the, know, the swinging arcane, orbs, the yeah, smoking yeah. orbs. So he he bails and he's twenty seven. He moves to Bleecker and McDougal in right. nineteen fifty seven. Oh, gets what? his mind blown. A virgin, <laughs> a virgin <laughs> Jesuit moves yeah. to that place, yeah, to Jazzland. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and uh, he he got a, a tenured position at Seton Hall at a really young age and and so he just he never cared about publishing he never he he just wrote it out wrote it out but he, and he was a bagpiper he was really into music and he played in like 10 different bands the and, bagpipes yes did he play on ACDC's first album no cuz i don't really <laughs> think those are bagpipes i i, I you don't think, have well, you studied it there's like there's the way that that it starts in that in that song they it sounds like a uh it so, sounds like a synthesizer to me. Long way to the top if you yeah. want to rock and roll. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Matt Sweeney here on this show has said that it's a synthesizer. I think. I mean, but it's I know okay. That, I just want you to come down one side or the other. Bagpipe or synthesizer? I think that on the record is a synthesizer, but I know that Bon okay. Scott used to play the bagpipe live, and apparently it was really difficult, and it, and it was a, a huge chore for him, and it was like a prop that he Really made. a huge chore for a dwarf alcoholic <laughs> to play the bagpipes? Yeah. <laughs> it was a little rough. <laughs> it winded the little man. <laughs> Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, but uh, yeah. So I got I I grew up around music and stuff. But that but that's very so- sophisticated, uh, you know, highbrow upbringing. It was cool. They they weren't into rock and roll, which was really nice. Like, but they, did, what was your first instrument? Was it? Did you learn to clarinet? Play? Really? Yeah, clarinet player. Well, you know, like because back when they ha- when you had to play an instrument in schools, yeah, you know, sure. Um, I I I think my dad kind of chose it for me. Yeah, I think uh, my brother played clarinet briefly. You got to wet your reed. Yeah, yeah. And yep. then uh, blow a few tunes out. Did you have any uh, a proclivity to it? To I, you know, it I or? could I couldn't read music well, but I could memorize anything. So I I was I kind of got far just bullshitting. You know, like I, I so I could I I sat you know like in first chair, whatever that means. And sure, I could play, but I really didn't know what I was reading. I would just like hear it once and then just kind of figure it out. Really, so you had that, and you could play the clarinet. Yeah, yeah. You got brothers and sisters. I got an older brother who lives in L.A. who makes uh, he he plays music as well. He does music for Kitchen Nightmares. Yeah, well, I don't know them. You know Kitchen? No, no the, I the don't. The TV show, dude. Oh, oh the, the really? Gordon Ramsay show. <laughs> Gordon Ramsay show. Yeah. He's the guy going He's like, like yeah, 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 yeah. When Gordon Ramsay loses his yes. shit and yells at people to yes. get it together, yes, and storms out into the street, mm-hmm. your brother's music comes in. You <laughs> yes. can watch that and go, "That's my bro." Yes, he does all those cues and oh, all that stuff. It's God bless him for yeah. helping out. <laughs> So, all right, so you're in New Jersey, so that means you're close to Hoboken, you're close to New York. That's correct. You have access. How old are you? Now I'm 45. All right, so you're a little younger than me, but we're old guys, kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you were old, you know, you were, you're old enough to have been young enough to sort of get into the end of the punk rock shit here. Absolutely. Um, Yeah, I was really lucky, because, so, you know, I was in high school from like 80, you know, in the the mid-80s when everything sucked everything i thought was terrible but but there's really hey i was i was there in the late 70s that was better a little bit but it's kind of shitty too but the the, what i mean by that is that there's an underground like there's a really there is such a need like what what was mainstream was so terrible that there's this need for an underground and there was tons of great music so like i got into hardcore music kind of via skateboarding and then so i got well that's when sort of when that happened because i remember when i was in high school from like 77 to 81 
like disco. We saw it die, mm-hmm. but punk didn't integrate until later. So we got new wave. Right. Was what the mainstream music became. And then, then mainstream rock was like, I was in high school when the first Van Halen album came out. The, the first, Right. Yeah. And the first Dire Straits album came out. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and Foreigner mm-hmm. was around. There was a lot of hot-blooded. Yeah. I think that was early on. I love that shit, actually. I love Do you? For- I really love Foreigner. I, I think it's just it's music I liked when I was a, like a little kid. I, I heard it at the amusement park, and I remember. I sure, man. But, it feels uh, like the first time. Oh, yeah. So you're in high school, and okay, you're, yeah, you're so processing the skate shit. Yeah, yeah. Pro- and I, I see a picture of his band. That, it's a bunch of guys, and it says the Sun City Girls. And it just kind of... And, and I think I saw a picture of the Butthole Surfers, and that right. was it. I was like, I have to know what this this stuff is. And then, the, and it was the all Butthole like, Surfer does require that of you. It's like, what is what, that? Yeah. And you're, you know, this is like 83 or 84, and you're like... You How know, old are you? Uh, at, at that point, I'm 13. You know, oh, my like, God. Yeah. You know, it was... You're it was enchanted. Completely. And, and I'd already gotten into music, and I really loved, like... Rush and Led Zeppelin and stuff like that. And I was already playing music, but when I heard that stuff, it just blew my mind and I really got into that stuff. So then by the end of high school, I had a band and we got to like, we got to open up for Sonic Youth, you know, when I, when I was Which like- Which band was that? The, the, we were called Skunk. That we was were, like famous though. Like, aren't you, isn't that relatively well known? Eh, we're goofy. We're, we're, we're well, we were, go- I mean, I, I, I cringe when I, when I hear it. Although the guitar stuff is really cool, but we were, we didn't know what we were doing. We were really, really young. Right. And, and, uh, it was kind of very Minneapolis sounding, very like Husker Du, that replacements. and replacements and Soul Asylum, who were actually sure. they were so well. That sounds lame, actually. What? But they, I don't want to say they were actually great. But the, in the eighties, they were so incredible. That band in particular, I remember because I grew up in this arena rock, got into punk rock, and then saw Soul Asylum open up for Husker Du, and they kind of sounded like Aerosmith or something like that. But sure, they were, but they were so like tight and violent, little neutered, really Just, violent. No, they were. Bad ass. Really? They were so good. And ask anybody who was there, they they will swear that Soul Asylum for like the for like in like nineteen eighty six was the best like kind of post punk band going. No, I know that, but then there's the whole sort of like, well, what the fuck happened? I don't know. I, 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 it seemed like a cultural turn more than a turn of, of them as a band. Yeah, I mean, and it was it was weird. But actually, and it was fun. also when you're in high school, you love a band and then you don't like a band anymore. Yeah, like they make one lame movie, you're like, oh my god, fuck, fuck them. them, you know. But like, how old, how much older is your brother? My brother's two years older. He was like more straight, kind of like he had Jersey Shore type buddies and stuff like that. So he was playing uh, Springsteen. He, that kind of stuff and uh, his his band was like yeah they were like they would play high school dance oh he had a they, band yeah he was he's an incredible drummer he like he was like the rush guy he like worked a couple of summers got the giant neil pert rush oh, really? set did he get a gong uh yeah we had, he had, a gong? He had the whole fucking thing yeah he smoked he was he was like the most he was like the drummer in town so then did he play alone at home with earphones on uh a little bit he always had kids to play with him yeah. we, we had like the rock house you know right. like we had the house that my dad was was like you know we didn't have a lot of money but he was he, he was like if you want to play sports or do music i'll like i'll foot the bill right you know? like so and then uh he my parents divorced in high school and my dad kind of was sort of depressed and the house i was just completely unsupervised and <laughs> completely and it's, it's amazing and luckily i wasn't into drugs or anything like yeah. that i was just into music and so it, my house was this, this, this what your dad was zone. just what, in, in the room he was kind of like he was puttering in the basement and then and you know hanging out with his with his bagpiper buddies and he, he was just was kind of like so your dad was sad out. he was sad wandering about and, yeah. and occasionally would play bagpipes with some other men yeah pretty much yeah oh, it was <laughs> but it was a really great scene so we got to you know i got to play tons and tons and tons of music and kind of figure stuff out and 
I got to like hate on my brother's friends who were like kind of technical, technical kind of rock jocks. Yeah. But then at the same time, because I was kind of good at memorizing stuff, I would like act like I hated them and watch them play, and then like yeah, figure out a you still do that. You make like that. you make short uh, pieces where you do that. Yeah, yeah do, I mean, yeah, kind with, of yeah. guitar moves, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just you going like, oh fuck, I'm playing with this guy. That's some of those, some of those, like the, the Gibbons one was insane. Well, it was, right? it was kind of weird and sad to see Billy get sort of loopy. Like he got his face all got all red from gets, the wine. It's this one moment he turns, you see him, he goes, done deal. <laughs> he gets, he gets like, but he's incredible. I mean, that was, the, the, well, you were asking them how I know a lot of people. And, yeah. and, and other than the fact that I was, I started young playing in bands, you know, that, mm -hmm. and making records at a pretty young age. So I got to meet a lot of people that way. And Let's then, talk about Skunk though, because yeah, what, like, Skunk is amazing. Oh my God. But like you were, what, 14, 15? When when yeah when I started playing with those dudes yeah what what, what guitar are you playing? I had what was it? I had like a Yamaha guitar and then yeah. I didn't I got a Les Paul my freshman year in college black what, one I uh I had a, I got a black one yeah yeah I got what are, what are they, the custom gold black beauties yeah 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 yeah, yeah two gold humbuckers yep yeah that was your good that's not a punk rock guitar no I you know <laughs> but the thing is by the time that we started doing a band we'd already kind of been punk hardcore as we knew it had kind of the first wave had run their course meaning meaning black flag had broken up you know, right that, that's one way of putting it you know right. what i mean and like uh i think you talked with with uh with kirk from the meat puppets about this just like this things had moved on so by the time that i was playing a band we were kind of post-punk and into like arena rock and into like guitar solos and stuff like that really like, yeah yeah and like um it was really goofy. Like, I mean, like which guys? Like, were we covered guys? Iron Maiden, knowing that it was not cool to cover Iron Maiden. So there is I mean? like, ironic. It was, but we loved it. You right. know what I mean? Like, right. so it was. But for the audience, you knew that it was. Yeah, red ironic. Yeah, I mean, like we were kind of pushing it. Like yeah. a, a band like Red Cross at the time was like our favorite. Was one of our favorite bands. Right. Uh, um, and again, they were really retro, and they were, they would cover Kiss songs and yeah, stuff. But yeah, they yeah. were one of the first punk bands so you know right like, so it was cool it was cool yeah they and, can take the piss out of this by playing it perfectly yeah kind of yeah and yeah. And, and and again through there was a guy called andrew weiss who was ween's guy like us and ween both got recorded by this guy named andrew weiss uh who this is skunk this is skunk yeah i met ween when we were in high school are you they were in fan? high school i you know i i, I have and i've not entered the world completely oh my god but but Watch I, the guitar moves I did. With, I did. I watched it. Did, did you watch one with Mickey yeah. from Ween? He's great. Yeah, he's like, I mean, <laughs> he's like it's a like, wizard. Yeah, I mean, and and they were, they were like our favorite band, and we kind of came up with them, you know. And uh, are they about? They were kids too. They right? were like a year younger. Yeah, and 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 they started when they were like thirteen or something like that. I met them when when they were like fifteen or sixteen, all through this guy Andrew and Trenton. Um, New Jersey. In Jersey, yeah. This is all, like all kind of Jersey. Jersey weird DIY stuff, you know what I mean? Kind yeah. of post-punk, kind yeah. of like City Gardens we played a lot at. Um, Maxwell's we played a lot at. Um, yeah, what's the story over at Maxwell's? You were you were like a, a, the, uh, like a high school band playing at Maxwell's. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we were such dicks. Oh, my God, we were such assholes. You know, I played, I played Yolo Tango's uh, Hanukkah Weeks. Yes. Yeah. You got to tell me the story again about how Ira had to show you how to, <laughs> what was that about? I poor Ira had to okay so Steve the owner of, yeah. of Maxwell's really like skunk for some yeah, reason yeah, yeah, and yeah. uh and he's like you guys have to get a sound guy because we're really loud you know and he's like and he knew that we were going to go on tour and he goes do you have a buddy who's gonna who can do your sound we we're like sure so we got my friend Paul um to come to Maxwell's yeah. he's like yeah I'll he's like I'll have our house sound guy teach your guy how to do sound I'll give you guys an <laughs> afternoon meanwhile like 
if I were Ira, I don't think that there's a note of Skunk's music that he would like. We right. were like kind of, I think everything that he hated, right? You know, right. Because we were like really obnoxious and like again doing Iron Maiden songs and yeah. shit like that, and and like uh, so he he has to show up and he was just like he's so he was a bummed. sound guy. Yeah, yeah. He had to yeah. show up and show our friend who didn't know anything about sound, <laughs> and so we were just like we just made noise and played like awful heavy metal for like three hours and and and, uh. and knowing. We knew exactly how much he hated it. <laughs> I know? wonder if he remembers that. <laughs> yeah. All right, so you're doing skunk. Okay, so I'm doing. So you so, find some success. I mean, sort of. I mean, like with six. I'm getting to open up for. We, I think our first real show was opening for Sonic Youth and Dinosaur. Um, and and that's that a pretty they big were, show. Where yeah, was that? In Jersey. That was at City Gardens, and then we played with Sonic Youth at CB's, and 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 at that time it was really for me exciting because like 86 87 all those all the bands that that we really liked just made these really great records like uh dinosaur made you're living all over me which is like this great record yeah um, sonic Youth made sister you know like all these bands were really kind of peaking you know and i was i'm like in high school just like all i cared about was this stuff so right. i was really really stoked right and then we all the band kind of collapsed because we went to college and everybody went to different schools and but over breaks we kind of got a little better and we made some demos with with that same guy andrew weiss and then we got signed to twin tone records which was like the replacements label right and soul Solemn's label and uh we were kind of barely a band at that point because i mean we were all just college kids then we didn't live together but we kind of got it together and made a record and we kind of started to suck then. <laughs> when he got tight, I things think, got tight. I mean, we kind of got tight. We were just, we were just really obnoxious, and and uh, we kind of, we kind of blew it. Like, really? Yeah, I think. But so. those were the records. Those, was, those were like while you were in college or just post college. That's when the skunk records came out, not yes. when you were kids. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. In 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 college, like we had had, you know, we were playing in senior year of high school and doing these shows, and then we got the music together over the course of like freshman sophomore year of college and then i think our i think the first skunk record came out in 89 or right something like that and then we that was a really weird time but like, put it this way like by the time that we broke up i felt like some sort of grizzled veteran you know and i was like <laughs> 21 20? i was like really bitter <laughs> super bitter like it was everybody's fault that but there's got to be out. people out there that are like those skunk records were the best you know, there, there's, you know, who really likes this, and I'm, I'm fully fucking name dropping. But he, every time I see him, he's really sweet about it. Is Jack Black really likes skunk? He I, does. I don't. I don't. Yeah. Some. He some was here the last time I was here. Uh, yeah. yeah. He's he's fucking awesome. Um. Uh. He really likes it. So some people, we do, we do have a couple of fans. They're they're cute. Like the vocals are goofy. Um. But there's a lot of ideas going on. There's there's a lot. To yeah. Band. And, but but anyway. So so then I I quit. I dropped out of college skunk imploded and i just didn't know what to do with myself and I, I thought that i was just done with music i was really despondent and, yeah and then uh i got a job in new york working for cmj which is like this college music journal you know it's right like a, that was huge they used to put out packages for the for the cmj for the what's the, that the thing the, the big like, thing yeah yeah which was like was basically what south by southwest is right now. they'd be at brownies was, in the mercury lounge and everywhere and i used to get yeah. those packages of cmj collections yeah yeah of bands yeah yeah exactly like compilations yeah yeah so it, here it was, you were a guitar player yeah I, so, and so you got a gig you got a job I, I i get a job and and but i'm like post music i i was just like kind of embarrassed about everything that about how skunk went down i just thought that everybody hated us and i and so you were hanging that, up your guitar i totally did it was awesome <laughs> it was like i don't know you're you like know, fuck this the drama you know like yeah i was like, really yeah and then um 
but then I was kind of knocking around New York and somebody heard that I was a bass player. This guy named Dave Reed heard I was a bass player and even though I was a guitar player and and he was like he's like you want to start I'm starting this band uh with James Lowe from Live Skull who's a band that I really liked. Yeah. And I was like sure yeah I pl- I play bass. So then I kind of I I came in at a uh I sort of came in like okay I'm just going to pretend I never played in a band. I'm going to play in somebody else's band. It's gonna be a kind of music that bass. That, yeah, I'm gonna play bass in like a really noisy, kind of like this guy played with Glenn Branca, and mm-hmm. the band sort of sounded like like Helmet, but more arty and and more noisy, and, yeah, and kind of more kind of more interesting. I don't know. Um, and so then I started playing music again. I met this guy James, and around that time, I also roadied for i was just fully humiliating myself i think the whole thing was like i don't play i'll, I'll be a roadie. experiment you know? and shame yeah i'm gonna beat the shit out of myself yeah, yeah totally gonna, like, not like, only am i gonna give up on my dream but i'm yeah. gonna go support serve. others yeah, yeah. in the most menial way possible exactly i'm gonna serve the you know the the the, the you're, you're like a jesuit yeah <laughs> <laughs> exactly you're, you're this is self-punishment well so so clay tarver uh this guy the, the this guy who i still do a band with uh, at that time had a band called bullet la volta and they were a band i remember that, them yeah and there's like kind of like this is around the time that before nirvana blew up all these bands were getting signed and la volta was one of these bands that was supposed yeah. to be huge and by the time that it was that they definitely weren't going to be huge they had this kind of big tour and i roadied for them and i became friends with clay his band broke up and clay moved to new york and we went out karaoke and this was when there wasn't karaoke machines, this right? Pre karaoke machines. When there's there's a band there's on Ninth Street a place called Candy B One that had live Japanese band that knew like two thousand songs, and you would just get up and front the band. That was the. That it, was, the, it was live karaoke. It was live karaoke, but that's all karaoke really was was live was right. just like you get to be the singer. Yeah. You know? And so we and I had never met the Matador guys. Clay was friends with the Matador guys, and me and Clay at this point were friends, and we were like we would like smoke pot and talk about music and yeah. stuff like that and um and also he was sort of humiliated and burnt out on playing music and and uh um we karaoke and we did bridge over troubled water you too <laughs> yeah, you and, and clay. clay and and then and clay was like we should do a band i think we should do a band. really that was it and well, the other really- guy who was there was chris from matador that was was the other dude that we were partying with like, right like that night and that's that was how this band Chavez that was the birth of Chavez straight up yeah (laughs) Chavez is one of these bands where like I'm I was like way late right somebody told me about him yeah and like and then I started seeing you on Twitter and I started seeing you on records and I didn't know who the fuck you were and then everyone's like well he was you know Chavez and who everyone is I don't know who everyone is Twitter yeah you know and and I'm like oh and then we start like talking to each other on Twitter and you know Blake Mills so now I got to get the Chavez records yeah so I go down to Florida to visit my mother with the double album with all the Chavez Uh stuff and I'm just running I'm jogging I'm listening into that shit. Oh, cool. And I'm, I plowed into my brain. I'm like, I got to get a handle on this guy. Yeah. But then that guy doesn't match up with the dude who's playing with Billy and Blake on Oh Well. Right. Or doesn't yeah, yeah. match up with the Bonnie Prince Billy that I yeah. listened to Super Wolf last night. Oh, cool. And that like, and then like, then Endless Boogie. And then like, and then, then I start looking up your shit and I'm like, who the fuck doesn't <laughs> this guy play with? Well, it's, so it kind of went like this. So, so with Chavez, so we started the band yeah. and, and I got a day job working for a PR company. That uh, a guy called Steve Martin. I know. I I work with them. Yeah, <laughs> Steve Martin, the asshole, not the jerk, as they say. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Um, he he had this idea. He was in uh, Agnostic Front, and he was in some other cool bands. And and he was and this is when all of our friends' bands were getting signed to major labels. And Steve had this idea, like let's start a PR company, so our so we could represent our friends. You were there at the beginning of Nasty Little Man. Yeah, yeah. 
So you were there, you were kind of partnering with, this was like you not committing to music still. Yes, yeah, totally. It was, like, again, you're... serving. And, and, and part of the game was like not telling anybody that I was in a band because I was, you know, I, I wanted to be professional. You, so you're secretly you know. doing Chavez. Pretty much, yeah. And, and doing PR for who? We did like the Beastie Boys. We did we did Dinosaur Junior. We did the, this is like early on. Uh, so all of them knew you as the guy at the office. Kinda, yeah, yeah. I've like 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 Josh from Queens like didn't know that I played guitar for years. And a lot of a lot of Josh Homme. Yeah, a, a, a lot of people that I was like friends with, I just wouldn't tell them that I you know that I played because I thought it'd be kind of. But you were secretly jamming. Yeah, and and also and Chavez did well. So so we ended up doing pretty good. But we had this whole thing. That band was like we had decided that we wouldn't do anything that we did not want to do, meaning that we wouldn't play with a band that we didn't like, that we wouldn't go on tour forever if there wasn't a demand for it, that we wouldn't stay on some junkie's floor, you know what I mean? Well, Be tell me about the drummer. The, the, James. Yeah. <laughs> He's the best. Because, like, somebody called it math rock. And yeah. I think, I think, I don't, I think, it doesn't that's fit. That's just racist because James is Chinese. I think that's that's why they... Oh, really? I, I think so, yeah. I just go, like, I don't it's even know what racist. it is. But when I think of math rock, I think of King Crimson. So yeah. I, I was trying to place it together. I couldn't couldn't hear it it frustrated me at the time actually you know david Clyler invented math rock to describe the noise band wider that i played in because that had a lot of weird parts and david Clyler, i swear to god he called it math rock as a diss as a joke he would he would pretend to have a calculator when he right. was watching us and, oh, right. and then with which 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 band this band wider that was the noise band that i played right. in like like when i didn't know what i was doing and, right okay and, and uh that's when you do a noise band yeah and and, and uh <laughs> and they, they were really cool they were really great um but they were complicated, and so this guy Dave would would pretend to have a calculator at our shows, and he'd like, like he'd be like calculating it, and then, then he'd kind of like you know give what give the, the look like oh, like yeah, oh yeah, yeah you guys yeah. are good. So he's being it, a dick. He was being a dick, yeah. and then then people started straight faced like there's a genre called math rock, you know, which was beyond me. And then Chavez started getting called that. I really do think it's because we could play. We had a Chinese drummer, you know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we were just trying to do, and we still are just trying to do like. Kind of like the interesting or the weird parts of Blueyster Cult or or like Cheap Trick, you know, right. you know, right, Dream right, Police, yeah. the yeah. big the big buildup in Dream yeah, Police, yeah, 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 you know, or like Rocks Aerosmith, like the like this kind of like we want to just kind of play evil rock, just do our build. own take. We just want the build part, yeah, and like and just like the the high drama, right. you yeah, know, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. like like uh, but without being like we just that, okay, that, so, that's our thing. So you know? Chavez Chavez is doing that, and so, you're you're doing publicity. I'm doing publicity. I'm doing Chavez. Where do you learn how to finger pick from Sam Dillon? That was around around that. Okay, so around that time, my friend Dan, who who was one of the guys who went to Hampshire College, which is how I know Sam. Dan was, Hampshire College, fucking hippie college. Oh man, I know. Tell me about that's it. That's the one in Amherst, right? Yeah. Oh, There's yeah. Reed in Hampshire. Reed in Oregon. Yeah, and then, there, and then there's another one that closed Antioch. That one, that one was so hippie that they just they, they imploded themselves. The, the, uh, everyone was majoring and leaving school. No, yeah, for real. That doesn't, <laughs> it, it just straight doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. Um, I had dropped out of college, and, and uh, all my friends were going to Hampshire, and they were friends with Sam Dillon, and they, they, they were the anti-hippie contingent, and they, and they were, they were really into like death metal and noise and swans and all this kind of music, and and Sam was was like not. A hippie at all this is know? jacob's older brother correct yeah um and uh anyway we got we got to be friends and in in the quest for extreme music we uh somebody found a charlie Patton record and that oh, was evil blues yeah and, and yeah there's that song and and, and uh my, my friend dan margulies uh who's who's a, this genius historian guy now um 
he he got us he got us into old town music. So we started going to or he started going to these festivals at the, uh, these bluegrass festivals. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this one in Charlotte, Michigan, which is like we were the only young people there. And so every year we would go to this festival, and my friends started to learn how to play. And Sam just like took to finger picking. And I remember when I saw him do it, I my mind was completely blown. I was like, how the fuck do you do that? Yeah. How do you do that? And I'd been listening to. Stuff, you know, I, I've been listening to Drake and, you know, like I've been listening to finger picking stuff. Like, and, and I love. But he was doing like almost ragtime finger picking. Yeah, it was just like, I mean, and like I also love Leo Kotke, like right. that, that six and 12. Show, but I just, I, I just assumed it was impossible to I do. I can't do it. Yeah. And, but dude, you could totally learn. Uh, really? I mean, yeah. Is um, it like juggling through repetition? You get it? Yeah. I could show you like one pattern. And that's what Sam showed me two patterns. And everything that I do is based off of these two patterns. And it took, it took me like a week. And I, I remember it was the most frustrating thing because you want to do it so bad. And, and it is like juggling. Right. You know? Eventually, you get that third ball you get that really ball up. yeah yeah it's it, and dude it opens up every it's sam put it this way sam sam goes you know why the you know like why there are old guys sitting on the porch for hours and hours drinking themselves happily to death he's like because they know how to do this one thing he's like yeah, and he's like he's uh, that's all he said i was like okay you know and i wonder so, if his dad can do it uh, uh he, you know weirdly he can't he does it on uh he does it sparingly but he does it on uh buckets of rain what about on Karina Karina? Yeah, that, that, that too. Yeah. yeah. Um, but he doesn't do it. He rarely does it. It's weird. Um, well, he, it seems like he, at some point he gave up his fingers altogether. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't even play guitar anymore well, he, he, at he, all. His hands hurt, right? Is that, the, is that the deal? I don't know. You're don't his know. friend. I, I, I gotta ask. So, so the it's so funny to thing. me though. It's not the Dylan that plays. No. The, he plays, but he's not the no. he's, he's not the guy who tried to be a musician. He, yeah, he's 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 uh, he's he's amazing. Yeah, I, I'm gonna have to ask him if it's okay to talk about him because he's super private. Uh, um, but well, we're not but, doing anything other than saying you learned yeah, how to play guitar. Yeah, and also, I mean, I do want to give him props because he's one of the best musicians I, and that, that I know. I love um, knowing that. I yeah. love knowing that the Dylan that doesn't even deal with music is the best musician. You should have him on. He's a he's a criminal defense attorney he's a bad motherfucker so i was doing chavez but yeah. then chavez started to slow down a little bit i just the finger picking thing was just like a separate thing i i, I just but I, then you put down the pick and you you only finger pick yeah pretty much yeah. really because you don't really need a pick anyway i mean if you have to do that you just do that use your nail do you, you know? use your thumb yeah but the finger picking i i really got into then chavez slowed down because of a bunch of different things like uh our bass players started to get get too many jobs working as a making music videos or something like which that. which one is the writer now the clay guitar. okay so clay clay tarper he's yeah. a guitar player though right he's, he's he, yeah me and the clay other guitar the band right yeah. and 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 he's over trouble and yeah and clay's kind of the leader even though like i sing and write the lyrics and stuff clay still is really the guy who like drives the band and stuff and and uh he he started getting a lot of jobs, you know, uh, writing jobs because uh, he worked at MTV and he was the guy who did the cab driver uh, promos. So there's a guitar player for for Chavez. Mm -hmm. He he wrote the oh the Donal Loge promos mm -hmm. just by because he knew Donal Loge. How do you get the yeah? They were college roommates. So that's how that happened. Yeah, so yeah. he's writing for him. So then he gets wrecked. So what's his trajectory? He Clay's trajectory is is he writes a script based on the cab driver, yeah. which of course never gets made, but a lot of people see and. Uh, and he started getting everybody loved that script, and so I think J.J. Abrams was the guy right. who, like, who started giving Clay work. You it's know, crazy. It's so fucking wild. Yeah. It's then insane. you lose, you lose your guitar player. Oh yeah. So so meanwhile, so he he starts doing stuff. James, our drummer, is this genius who like who designs. I mean, he like does. He did something with like the computer mainframe of Merrill Lynch to just, to make to make the chain of command like a split second quicker. 
Yeah. You know, for money things. So yeah. There's one thing that he can do. And he, he helped design stents. He For hearts? For hearts or something. He, he wins, He's your drummer. Yes, he wins Bessie Awards for for uh, for modern <laughs> dance compositions. He's like so fucking advanced. So he's doing his thing. Clay's doing his thing. And you're just a guitar yeah, guy. Yeah, this fucking idiot. You know, like so, you know, I was like, oh, I guess I'll get good at finger picking. You know, <laughs> it, it takes some time to play. Yeah. So yeah. So Are you then, still doing publicity? Yeah. I, I, and then and 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 it was that job was really cool because I could kind of you know take on as much as I could take on and, yeah. and come and go. Um, and but right when Chavez was kind of done, I saw Andrew WK play. Yeah. And I think I had taken ecstasy for the first time, and I went up to him. And this is when Andrew's played by himself to a tape. And With his white pants and yeah, his white yeah, shirt. Yeah, and he was 18, you know. And and uh, I was like, I, I was like, man, can I be your manager? I mean, I was, I was, I, I was, I was high as shit. <laughs> and he was like, okay. <laughs> and in like short order, I got him like a really huge record deal. And it was the only time I ever did anything like this. And A and R. Yeah, and or, or managing, you know. And, so and was his first one, the bloody nose one. Yeah, yeah, and and. Uh, and you know, I kind of I made a little chunk of money because he got a, 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 a record deal, and so like then then what happened? Oh yeah, and then uh, I'm uh, I ran into Billy Corgan, who I who was a big Skunk fan back in the day. Really? Yes. And uh, he asked me if he, if I wanted to do do a project with, with him, and we ended up doing that for uh, for two years. What was the name of that band? It was called The Swan. Right. It was really fun. Like the first half of it was really, really fun. Like we, we for a year, in a year, we recorded a hundred songs. We never played any. You know, we just played lots and lots of music, and it was really, really. Do you, fun. you think he's a good guitar player? He's a great guitar player. Yeah, yeah, he's incredible. Um, uh, and but then that that thing imploded because I think really he didn't really want to do what 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 we were doing. I think I think it was a kind of an experiment for him. What were you doing? I don't really know. Is it on record? It's on record. I, I've never listened to the record, um, but some people like it. I remember that the record took a really long time to make. It just, I think, I think I wasn't the guy that 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 he hoped I was, and and, and maybe vice versa for me and uh -huh. him and stuff like that. It got kind of weird. I mean, but he's a he's a character. <laughs> got kind of weird. Yeah. Um, okay. But anyway, but 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 I could. There's probably enough nice things. So I, I did this thing for like two years, and yeah. and then. Uh, then all of a sudden I'm in my early thirties and that thing's done. And, all, and I'd, all of a sudden I was like a professional musician, you know what I mean? Which I swore I'd never be. Cause you know? well, now you've managed, you've, uh, you've yeah, done some A&R, you've delivered yeah, that, that a was like in a kind of a Right. You, you know how to finger pick with yeah. Sam. You were in Chavez and yeah. now you just finished with Corrigan. And then I remember, I remember I had done, and also I started playing with, Oh, you know what I did actually when Chavez slowed down, I started playing with, with Bonnie Prince Billy. I started playing with Will, yeah. um, which was a huge, huge thing. We had a mutual friend. Who was that? The, the mutual friend, yeah. Britt Walford, the drummer from Slint, this okay. band that Slint. I went, yeah, who I went to college with, actually. Um, so much college. Uh, well, that's I guess where it all starts. Dude, every most bands are like upper middle class kids, yeah, who like should be doctors. Yeah, you know, um, some of them apparently will do both, like your drummer. He'll yeah, just, well, he's <laughs> so make cool a stint. He's amazing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, so I started playing with Will. Uh, we met through through brit yeah and, and then then the billy corgan thing all of a sudden i'm done with the billy corgan thing and i thought i was gonna make some money yeah doing and what oh, just, with billy? Well, just, just yeah. from publishing stuff yeah and like nothing all of a sudden I, I did a tour with will i was in <laughs> i was in uh tasmania at the tasmanian devil park and somehow i, I was again 
I, I was still pretty spacey about money and just thought things would work out, man. Yeah, you know? yeah, man. I was like, yeah, you know, I was come in this on, band, you know, player. like yeah. I'm gonna get some money. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, <laughs> manager says it's gonna come through, you know. So I remember going. I wanted to buy a T-shirt at the Tasmanian Devil Park, and I put in my 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 card in the ATM, and I had like negative twenty five dollars in my bank account, and I was in fucking Tasmania, and I that that was like this incredible moment. That was the moment. Yeah, that was the moment where I was like. Whoa, I'm completely fucked, you know, and and I remember not to, uh, like, I I was embarrassed. To t- I didn't know what to do, you know, yeah. like like and I'm like walk out and I'm like kind of ashen faced. Will's like, are you okay? I was like, yeah. Are we? Do we, we get cash on this tour? You know, <laughs> <laughs> that tone. Uh, yeah. Yeah, just wondering. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was so fucked. It was incredible, you know, and, yeah. and like, and I didn't have a day job, and like, I just didn't know what to do, and 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 then Will kind of sensed that I was motherfucked and yeah and and he uh he I remember he wrote me and he said hey um I, I have a really big show in London that pays yeah. a lot of money you yeah. want to just have me and you play play the show and, right and and then I was like yeah, thanks yeah, yeah that's great yeah and then then he sent an email that said challenge and there were two lyrics and and he was like and he was like how about you make songs out of these lyrics and we'll play them at the London show so I was like okay yeah. you know and and I've never been asked to do that uh so I did, and and that's sort of how Superwolf got started. Was 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 we played these songs, and it was fucking terrifying. First, because I was just playing loud rock bands, and all of a sudden, just me and a singer with some song that I just made up, and it's like a really big crowd, and and it was it was terrifying and but exciting. Really fun. Fucking a, yeah, super exciting. So and, that's just it's just you and him on that record. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, and, 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 and oh, and our, and our friend Pete Townsend, yeah. not that one. Yeah, uh, uh, Pete Townsend from Louisville plays plays drums on that, and and it's I, a pretty record. Thank you. Yeah. Well, so we that, so Will really helped me out when I was you know like just didn't know what to do, and then and then through that Superwolf record, uh, Rick Rubin I guess heard it. Yeah. And uh, called me up out of the blue. Yeah. And just asked me to start. What did he say play. about the record? He said the nicest things in the world. I, I would I would I would sound like I was lying if I, if if I actually quoted it because I'd, I'd sound like a dick. But he said really really nice things about it. You know, like our, I was just like like my end of the conversation was yeah yeah really whoa thanks no way <laughs> this fuck. is really Rick Rubin dude wow fuck <laughs> fuck cool really you know <laughs> and then and and he said and he said you know he said he wanted to see if I was available to to play in records. And, you know, so I said, fuck no, get, get, you know, hell no. No, I didn't. I was like, yeah, of, of course. Yeah. And and, uh, and then I got a call like a couple of days later. You know, I was like, is, um, I'm calling from Rick Rubin's office. Is this Matt Sweeney? Yeah. Checking your availability to play in on, on Johnny Cash uh, sessions. And I was like, I'm assuming these are overdubs because Johnny Cash had died. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's like this beat on the other end. They're like, Mr. Cash uh, recorded two albums worth of material with the express purpose of them being finished after his death. Are, are you interested? So I said, yeah, you know, like, uh, and then I kind of asked around a little bit about exactly what was going on. And sure, sure enough, he had done, done like 20 songs at his house when he was going, you know, and uh, they had been sitting on these, on these recordings, kind of dreading having to do it. But it was agreed, like this. Was right. Like, it was like his will, you know. Like, right. Like uh, his last wish. Yeah, and and I was the and because Rick like this record that I made with Will, I was the new guy, and everybody else was like the guys who had played and all. It was basically it was, it was Mike Campbell. The Heartbreakers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and so I've I've and I've never done any fucking studio stuff, you know, like that. So it was insane, you know, like like, like so I show up, you know, and uh, with your guitar. 
I, you know what? I didn't bring a guitar because I was like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I don't. I didn't even own an acoustic guitar, and and uh, and I figured they're going to have a lot of guitars. It's like Rick Rubin, right. and, I, and also I kind of figured, well, well, I can't bring anything to the session. I can't. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I, I figured that I just have to improv, which, right? Which ended up kind of really working out well. Um, because I didn't have to carry anything. So it was really nice. Did they have guitars? <laughs> yeah, there's like fucking tons. You know, it's like, of course, it's like, t- you know, like, can I use this guitar? Yeah, sure. You yeah, know, um, like, like good ones? Like, yeah, dude, like this guitar. Yeah, you can't just like, yeah, it's like, yeah. 100 guitars? It's gross. You know? it's, it's like, um, and, uh, and it was, I remember going into Rick Rubin's house where, where he, this was in Hollywood where he used to do a lot of recordings and, and, and I went in through the basement and, I heard this laughing from from the. I just found found my way and I took like a weird door. I, I took like a side door entrance and I didn't want to meet anybody. I just wanted the Houdini to, house. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's. I mean, that's on Laurel not, Canyon. That's not. No. Not. Not the. Oh, other his one. actual house. The thirteen thirty one Miller Drive, which I, I think he's gotten rid of. But yeah, not the Houdini house. This other house, which was which also was a similarly uh-huh. fabulous haunted right. Hollywood mansion. Right. Um, and I remember going in through the basement and not telling anybody I had arrived and, and hearing this laughing, they hear this like, oh my God, like this like yeah. kind of hillbilly laughter. And I walk in and there's this guy sitting there lo- looking at a computer screen that I can't see what's on the screen. And uh, he's like, who are you? This scary yeah. guy. And uh, I was like, I'm Matt Swinney. He's like, oh, you're the new guy. Yeah. He's like, I was like, uh, yeah, I guess I am. He's like, well, I hope you're ready to make the best goddamn record of your life. And I was like, I... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, he's like, well, I'm Fergie. I've worked with Johnny Cash for 30 years, and I am so tired of doing this. This is killing me. <laughs> because he's like, bro, this is like really, this is sad shit. I hope you're ready to get into this. You know? I mean, you know, I mean, he was really like, he just like, and that that was another big moment for me. I was like, wow, I have to make a record for this guy. Yeah, because this is the guy who is seeing through his his kind of mentors right. thing. Yeah, and, and and he was the only guy from Johnny Cash's world, I think, uh, that Rick brought along when right right get, um so oh and then he was laughing at the computer screen because he had a picture of jimmy martin who's this hillbilly singer yeah in front of like a thousand dead squirrels <laughs> what? yeah he was like looking at like <laughs> like hillbilly porn or whatever like and and then and then all these other guys come in and it's like i couldn't believe it, it was it was the most surreal thing like it's the, the heartbreakers then, oh really then, like they show up you know ben Mott and, then, and all of them yeah, yeah yeah and i'm fucking freaking out you know and then and then it's never just, met him before you're no. just like i am mad yeah i was just like this idiot like and i never that they have no idea to, they don't know who the fuck i am i've been to tasmania had a weird yeah moment. yeah they don't know will Oldham chavez fuck no they don't know any of that stuff so and so i'm just this guy you know yeah. and and uh and then it was just johnny cash's voice to a click track and we just sit there and figure out the the, the songs, and we we ended up recording just for the like, melody, no guitar. There they would you know it would be like we know it would be in the key of C, and they, right. they had they had isolated the tracks, and, and he would just have his friends play when he was recording. He'd just right. have his friends play just as like a guide track, right? You know? And and uh, so then those guide tracks were wiped clean, and so we would just come raw up, voice. Raw that must voice. have been haunting. It was fucking cool, and we just did it all live, and we and we ended up. You know, it, it was incredibly fun you know what i mean and and i the first I, time you've ever been in a studio I'm, and you're in, in there on with, that level yeah basically yeah. with the heartbreakers yeah <laughs> playing to the disembodied voice of johnny cash oh you know? my god yeah, it was really strange and uh but that was were these original songs or covers both yeah uh, a lot of covers and some originals wow um, yeah, and it was yeah. cool, and then and then and it went it worked so well that then like rick would let me stay late and me and ferg would kind of 
mess around with like that song ain't no grave yeah and and god's gonna cut you down were two that we kind of got to be like really mess with you know and like like i kind of turned it into a minor key song even though it was a major key song and stuff i I, I mean just rick was so fucking nice that he let me it was just you and rick and ferg yeah and then rick would leave me like yeah if you want to try something go ahead you know on (laughs) on those tracks is it only you and john no no i mean it's Smokey and mike and stuff like that but uh uh, mike campbell Smokey hormel who's who's plays on tons of rick stuff and Smokey made it all these guys were so nice to me that's the other thing is like Smokey and benmont were so friendly to me and they you know they could have been total jerks if they wanted to and, sure and rick had the best advice i was like so can i just play whatever i want he goes yeah do whatever you want we could always hit a race yeah. <laughs> was just, you know and i was like oh right i guess i can just do that but yeah. i ended up being able to I'm, like i'm featured on on five and six like i could there's there's um there's a lot of a lot of you hearts a lot of load of me on there on the on the uh Cash five and yeah, six. Yeah, five and six, yeah. The posthumous Which, ones. Yeah, but, and, and they're hard to listen to because the vo- he's dying, you know what I mean? Like, like they're, they're, the vocals are tough. I mean, I'm, I'm proud of those records. I, I don't think that they're for everybody, you right. know what I mean? But, but uh, Ferg loves him, and, and Ferg, who's Johnny Cash's guy. That, and he that's, loved him. That's what I, you know. That, and uh, So then I, then I just started working for Rick a lot, and so I get to meet all these, and I live in New York, and then I get to go out to L.A. and, you know, play with, like, Cat Stevens. <laughs> but what was it? Who else did you play with Neil Diamond too? Yeah, yeah. Did you do those? That's sessions? how I got my acoustic. Actually, is Neil Diamond gave me this insane acoustic guitar, and I always had this dream. I was like, I can't afford a Martin, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, I was like, maybe someday some rich guy will like give me a Martin. I don't know. Like, right, like, right. How else would it happen? Right. And then, and then after I was friends with Neil, I went by one time. Me and Smokey went by his studio because we both happened to be in town. And he's like, Yeah, come by the studio. And there's and his son was getting rid of all these guitars. He's like, Yeah, look at this one. And he's this. this cr- beautiful beat up Martin. in la yeah yeah he like right next to cedar sinai uh-huh. it's sam cook's old studio uh it's the it's the liberty record studio uh-huh. neil's been in there since the early 70s and it's fucking awesome it's like frozen in time wow like 1978 like amazing like, so you go over there after you record with neil so he knows you yeah 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 the, yeah the rick again the, some, so the the rick things it just became this thing where it was like i couldn't believe that it was happening you know at any session i, I just couldn't what, believe well, I was which there. ones did you do as far as like crazy legends that I couldn't believe, yeah. like, like like Neil Diamond, Cat Stevens. Rick recorded Cat Stevens. Yeah, the last one. Yeah, uh, he, he he ended up they he did the raw tracks with Rick, and then he ended up finishing it in, in different studios and stuff. Uh-huh. But Neil Diamond in particular, like I'm I'm crazy about his. Really, music. It, it, I love so, Neil Diamond. Always have. Like, really, always. Yeah, yeah. Just it's like little because that's a pretty sparse record. You right. Oh, it's yeah. The, the record that we did I was like, there's like ten minute long, really sparse, weird songs. It was so much fun. It was really, really. So cool. you get to know Neil. Yeah, he's he's, he's a pal. He's so dude. He sometimes like texts me and shit. Oh, really? It's fucking. It's, <laughs> I was I was recording with a rapper actually yeah. recently, and I was like, I just got a text from Neil Diamond. I could tell the rapper was just like kind of bummed. Yeah, like, all right. I, I was just kind of like, you know, I just I just won. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, if, if rap is about being like cool, I what rapper? Uh, it was LP, who's who's great. He's a really good friend. I love working with him, and he does a thing called Run the Jewels now, which is great. I, I really recommend it. It's it's kind of blowing up. You and Blake Mills are buddies. Yeah, actually, yeah. I, I brought Blake in. I actually introduced Blake to Rick because, which was again classic kind of career suicide because that guy is he's a wizard. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. like I do pencil sketches and he's like a sculptor, right? You know, guitar wise. Um, Rick he, didn't know him either. So what does no, Rick just sit up in the mountain? Yeah, I mean, he gets he he gets 
he knows guys and and then he he has guys that he trusts you right know, and, and stuff and so like in this case this was a kid rock record and and uh and he rick was like yeah you know do you know anybody else who'd be good for a guitar you know i was like well this guy blake you know and that was blake's first rick session and then all of a sudden i stopped getting rick sessions and then blake was no <laughs> no well actually a couple of times but that's fine because i live in new york yeah um, uh, and you know what's neat is actually Blake. He's the best guitar player in the world, but I, I, he's, he doesn't step on. I never felt like right, right, you know, right. Like what? What's the Amadeus situation? Uh, Salieri. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a moment though. I do remember. I was like, "Is this going to be this? Did I just did completely you? fuck myself?" You know, <laughs> you got to tour with Cat Stevens. How the fuck did? Oh yeah. So what's great about the Rick things is that sometimes I'll hit it off with the, with the artists, and then then I'll just kind of do stuff outside of the Rick world. Just you know, just play shows and do some stuff. So, I mean, again, the, the, it was like the biggest golden pile of shit that I stepped in with. Well, I don't want to call Rick a golden pile of shit. It wasn't lucky. It just it, the lucky thing was that he heard the record. Yeah. I mean, that's the weird thing about it. It happened, it had an integrity to it. It's like, who's that guy? Yeah, it was cool. And also we didn't do any press for that record. The, the super wolf record. That's the record I heard you on. Yeah. That, that I, I, it's been fucking 10 years. It's so crazy. That's 10 years old? Yeah. Was it you and Blake and Billy Gibbons who did Oh Well? Yeah, that was the thing where I, Rick had got, oh yeah, that's that's another obvious one, Billy Gibbons, as far as the Rick thing goes. Uh, I When we were working on the cast stuff. Did he do a ZZ Top record? Yeah, he did the last one. He did? Yeah. Oh, that's right. The, that's good. It is good. Yeah. Um, did you hear Did you hear Billy play fucking the Ballad of Billy the Kid on? It's fucking awesome why doesn't he do whole records uh, i know well so okay so dude so so that that's been an obsession of mine but now let me just like preface this by saying so you heard billy play that thing on my on my podcast yes and it's it, incredible so i was talking to rick about billy gibbons he's like well i'm friends with him but i never really checked out cz top like hardcore i was like really you know and he's like yeah and i was like dude the best band ever like the first five records yes they are the greatest things ever yeah been. yes uh, and and uh i mean i can't i, I can't I'm, I'm obsessed and so Rick started talking to Billy about making a record. Right. And, and then I sent Rick an email saying, you know, if you're talking to Billy about making a record, I think you should talk to him about Peter Green because I, I, as far as I can tell, that could be a good dialogue opener. You know what I mean? Like as far as... That know, should be the dialogue opener with every guitar I player. know, it's true. Yeah, And and Peter Green, for, for listeners, is the... Well, they know. My listeners know. I okay, never yeah. shut up about Peter Green. Yeah, yeah. So the original Fleetwood Mac guitar player. The original Fleetwood Mac guy, the, the best... The and, wizard of blues. The yeah. best blues player. Yeah. And, and and somehow doesn't sound like a white guy trying to be black. I don't know it's what just, it is. It's transcendent. It's just transcendent. It is, yeah, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, so Gibbon sees that email that I wrote to Rick, and he's like, Billy wants to meet you. He wants to... He wants to write with you and I, I you know it was the, the great uh, you know the greatest phone call I've ever gotten you know right so I got instructions from Rick yeah meet up with him and and play music that he likes get him back into music because it seems like he sort of hasn't been that inspired you know like right lately. so th this was like my job you know <laughs> like to, was, get... to fucking hang out with Billy Gibbons and like listen to fleet like like listen to the Boston Tea Party Fleetwood Mac you Did know you, is that what you played oh, with him fuck yeah, yeah. I, I, well I mean, we were just like Jesper from Endless Boogie, who's a who's a friend of mine, who who's like a music, you know, he's like wizard. a crazy record collector, right? Yeah. Well, Paul Major and Jesper, yeah, two of the guys in the band are like in Endless know, Boogie. Yes, yeah. They're out in the island, right? They're, no, actually, I called the record Long Island just because I thought it would be cool. Oh, oh. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, no, they're all they're they're all around here. Yeah. Um, but Jesper is this is a great. I made this crazy mixtape with my friend who like who has like the libraries of music yes, and stuff. Yeah, and, and he's and an endless boogie guitar an, player. He's an endless boogie, and we made like five CDs called Vibe Action 
for for Billy Gibbons of just like inspirational ripping him from vinyl, vinyl, every, you know, yeah. like everything. You yeah, know? and 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 uh, and that was sort of like, hey, Billy, you know, I'm this guy Matt who wrote the thing. You're about trying to Kubrick. reprime the Gibbons pump, and dude, he took to it. It was like it's just like, yeah, dude, check out this, you know, and and we'd listen to music and then play a bit and like and we did this for a week and it was. It was the greatest. I mean, I remember like that at the end of the first date, Gibbons was like, "Well, this just couldn't have gone any better." And I was like, "I can't fucking believe this, this is awesome." And then, what were some of the other songs you were playing? I, I mean, what what was I playing? I mean, like he knew the Peter Green shit. Didn't yeah, he? he knew the Peter Green stuff, but he just hadn't listened to it for a while. But he's right. like, you know, he's like, "This is the best." You know, that was like, it. That was his guy. I think. Yeah, yeah. And then a lot of African rock. Like there, there's a good compilation called Africa Rocks. A band called Witch. A uh -huh. band called Amanaz. Rich, I know which. You know I just which? got they just it's reissued bitching. their vinyl. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so you know, just like kind of stuff that I knew that Gibbons would like, but maybe hadn't heard because that—that's what's cool about rock music. It is—it is infinite the amount and of then, stuff that 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 you know that you haven't heard. Right, that's great. You know, and so. you just sat with him and you'd follow. You'd get the guitars out and you'd yeah. follow him. We would just kind of make shit up. Yeah, right. and and it—it uh, it should be noted, none of these songs ever got used, <laughs> and uh, but we had this incredible hang. Then I went back to do it again, and the vibe was completely different. And and Gibbons didn't seem to be into it anymore. And then I and then they started working on the record, and I was like, "Shit, did I just like blow it with Billy uh, Gibbons somehow?" You know. And then then he, he met Blake, and then Blake was like, "Gibbons wants to do something with me, and you like, let's just do it." You know. And so, yeah. And then then there was the full circle back to the to doing the, the the single. Yeah, and doing a Fleetwood Mac thing. And I mean, I was hoping that that would be the beginning of something. Where we could just, I think he's you know, afraid. Yeah, I, 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 it, he, he's so complicated. He's so brilliant, that guy. And but it's just interesting that because like that Rick Rubin's Easy Top record, it's like it's in the tradition of those original Rick Rubin records where it's like we're gonna we're gonna make his Easy Top record like, the way it used to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so it's good. Yeah. It's okay, and his riffs are good. Right. But it's weird because he's so like these guys get older, and you so want them to to honor their 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 depth. Right. And I think a lot of them are just nervous to do it. If there's that, and also it, you you forget. And I've learned this from talking to these older guys. Like I asked Gibbons about those '70s records, right? Like, oh God, it was. I mean, we'd just be sweating in a room, having to hang out with each other, and just working and working. And just, I was like, yeah, yeah, you know? like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. You know, but but like those memories probably aren't that great you know like like, like i guess them, so they, you know? they, that was something to be transcended yeah well, you know well how about i always hear about like skinnered you know working in a in a like a warehouse yeah. that, that was so hot and it was hot on purpose yeah. and they when al cooper found them they were just these sweaty guys that had been pounding these songs so hard they, yeah they knew them in their sleep yeah and and, and so you're like you know what guys you, why don't you get back to that they're like because I, I don't Fuck want that. to i fucking hated doing that yeah. shit you know? i mean that, that that's one thing i found and also a lot of people's like great work was they were kind of miserable in their personal lives, then they become fucking millionaires. They live under a rock of wealth and fame, you know, and, and they've got a sound. Yeah. That, you know, that, but, but I mean, but th I really think, I swear I have noticed this, that like guys yeah. who are hugely successful, they're not interested in people who aren't hugely successful. They're not interested in the records that they made that didn't sell. They, it's just, I, I think it's just something about money and, and, and power that makes people um, not, interested in going for something that doesn't equal money i swear I yeah, but but after a certain point like i mean they already made their money i mean it's not like that that's easy top record didn't make money i know but they still think that way i swear. I know they still think they're gonna get do the next zz top record yeah, yeah it's over i know i know and, and and also it's like as far as i know 
most of the things that end up really popping are things that you just made because you think was were fucking awesome, right? You know? Right, and then, right. And then, and, and then even people it, pick up on it. But, but I've just seen this with 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 some bigger like acts who are just used to how things go. They're like, yeah, we need a hit. That that whole mentality, you know. Yeah, but and, it's weird because it's so got like Levon Helm knew better than others, you know, before he died, and he was recording those. I think he recorded on Vanguard. Yeah, he the Dirt Farmer stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah awesome. I mean, it's yeah. it, it's for the people that want to find that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you got to stop thinking about hits. Yeah. I know, you know, and know. it's like even the Rolling Stones will write, make new songs or a new record. But like when I talked to Keith Richards for ten minutes, mm-hmm. you know, I said to him, "Why don't you guys make a blues record?" He's like, "Well, that's been kicking around for a while." It's like, "We'll just do it." Because yeah. if you listen to "Love You Live," the yeah. Elmo Combo side, yeah, it's like, "Where's that fucking record with that outfit that they can make in five fucking seconds?" In a second, I know, I know but it's it's again. I'm sure. Did you ever see that thing where 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 uh, Ronnie and Keith played with uh, with Dylan? On the Sun City record, no, like uh, it was weird because I remember seeing it uh, at the concert when they recorded the early eighties shit. Well, yeah, it was it was thrown together. Right. You know, uh, it was Bob Dylan in the in the middle of uh, of Keith and and I think Ronnie, mm-hmm. and they all had guitars, mm-hmm. and it was it was pretty great. Mm-hmm. And then there was another song in that record called um, Silver and Gold mm-hmm. that I think Keith played on that record. The Sun City record's kind of interesting. Oh, huh, cool. There's some weird players on there, but um. But I just don't like. It's like you guys have already done it. Yeah, you're you're done with that. Yeah, yeah. You you won. Yeah. So now honor your roots. I would be great. I, I it's, <laughs> it, it's this. I don't know. I don't get it either. But I I just came to understand that it has something to do with these guys not wanting to lose money, not wanting to appear unsuccessful. I think it's a they, it's they, fear. They, yeah, they're, it is fear. So- it's all fear. It's absolutely fear for sure. For sure. You know what I mean? And I don't know if there's anything we can do. Like that, like I, I just hold on to that little, I have it on my desktop. That the Gibbons fucking, thing? Yeah. It, I was so excited because I was listening to that to that interview, just enjoying it. And yeah. then then when you did that, I was like, no, oh my God, oh my God. And it's so fucking good. So good. It's so good. It's so good. He's yeah. like, And I don't want to appear disrespectful talking about fucking millionaires, blah, blah, blah. But I do think it's true. It's like it's like they get used to. I think it's more being and, entrenched in in what they think they they're supposed to do. Yeah, like you know, because you, you it's very hard. Even when you listen to, the, to Tom Petty, right. it's like this is a guy you know was the greatest American songwriters in the world, mm. and and then you know where you're expected to keep churning out this thing, right? And 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 they've all gone through it, right. and I think that's still in their head. They think that's the thing they churn out. Yeah, I, and I don't know that. Like, I don't know that Billy would necessarily even see that big of a difference between '70s Easy Top and what they evolved into. I think he knows that the syncopated drum beat was not a good thing, right? And and his answer to that is is that we were trying to get chicks to dance to it, which right. is fine, right? You can you know, but like, I don't think he sees any difference between any of that. I think he would just want, uh, yeah, I, I don't, it's I, easy I, top we, music. I, we talk about it. Like, we would have like kind of long, kind of circular conversations about it. And then it really did occur to me. I was like, I'm just some fucking like, like I'm going to, I think to them, like I'm going to, a guy like me is like an obscurist yeah. who's into things that are cool. And, and eventually the guys are like, you know what, just because it's, you're just this guy who thinks that things are cool. And you just, you know, like if it's obscure, it's good. You know what? I'm not like that. That's, right. That's, yeah. that's what the successful I'm Billy guy Gibbons. says. I'm, I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm you know what I mean? Guy. Yeah. And, and, and to be fair, Gibbons really does love a lot of, no, he's, uh, he's, you know, and, and also a, he loves a lot of weird shit for sweetheart. sure. Sweetheart. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, he, yeah, he was weird shit. You yeah. Know, like yeah. That, that story he told in the podcast about like hanging out with Hendrix and oh. Hendrix dragging the stereo down the hall. To hear like Jeff Beck. Yeah. Records. They sit there and go like, what the fuck is Jeff Beck doing? <laughs> so awesome. 
I mean, dude, what about Gibbons talking about Alex Chilton? Yeah. I mean, Big Star and fucking ZZ Top were making records at the same studio at the same time, which just blows my mind. That's you crazy, know? man. Yeah, I remember G Gibbons, actually, this is interesting. He goes, Alex Chilton, now he was interesting. He uh, he was a guy who who really could have been very successful, but he chose to be a homeless. <laughs> So that I think that like you know you forget like in in our in the way that music is fragmented in the way that you came up in music that you know these guys came from the time where we're like we're gonna make a billion dollars yeah 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 I mean I think that's and probably they fucking right. did and they yeah, did, you, know? Yeah, you know yeah I mean yeah so so guys like that I would I mean I would love it I, I think that Billy's absolutely got it in him for sure I yeah. mean he's a god he he's, is he's just so great so tell me about this endless boogie thing that was another one of those records where I got out of nowhere what label is that on that's on a little label called no quarter which is a really small but really good label somebody Every sent me that record and like you know I'm going through records and it's so it's weird with me because I get like a lot of records yeah and I'll throw them all on for one play yeah and, and, and occasionally, like, you know, throw something on and I'm just go about my business and I'll walk back into the room like, the fuck is this? Yeah. <laughs> that was like, that was that record. Yeah, Endless Boogie was one of my... It was I, the dark, I, it was the weird yeah, sort of mountain Long, Long Island, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah which, and that's a painting from uh, from Norway from, the, from like 1908 and it looks exactly like Paul Major. It looks like the guy who's okay. in... Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, it's freaky. Um, Endless Boogie was a band that uh, started as like a fun bunch of record collectors playing music in, in a rehearsal space that was my rehearsal space and eventually and they started playing shows out after years of playing just in a they're old guys space. right yeah paul's like 60 what's um, his name again paul major that's, a, that's his christian name paul major and he's like a, he's sort of notorious right? yes yeah well, yeah he kind of defined a, he kind of invented a record market of of uh what are they called? people call it real people music or private press records mm -hmm. like records that major labels didn't make that people actually made themselves that made they made yeah, like a lot of those copies. are being reissued now yeah vanity for yeah paul kind of invented people finding that shit yeah oh um, really yeah he's he's so cool um and so sweet like the dark album or do you know that um, yeah, yeah paul found that record because um, you can't find the real one i mean the real can't. one's worth something like five thousand dollars right so yeah. like like there's i'm getting a lot of those reissues because you know do you know you know you must you know daniel cook do you know daniel cook dan cook yeah 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 well he's he's got his joint now is out in la it's right around the corner from oh me. fucking dude say hi to daniel he's fucking awesome it's great guy yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so amazing. he but he gets all these re-releases of those records yeah and i get them through him you're stoked that's that, yeah that, yeah you have your wild. dealer yeah, yeah exactly yeah. so paul and jesper from boogie were those guys for me who were right. just like always turning me on to stuff and they had this band and i they were my favorite band forever like i i had seen I remember I saw Crazy Horse and Endless Boogie on the same night, and I swear to God, there was it was, it, I I could not pick one from the other as far as like what was godlike guitar. Really, it was perfect. Yeah, like yeah, Paul, yeah. Paul can really do it. And, yeah. And then then I just started playing. When they started making records, I started playing with them and kind of sort of co-producing the records and stuff. So I kind of ended up being the third guitar player in, in endless boogie and that's so that's the thing that i do whenever i can i make records with them whenever i can well i guess my question to you then as a guitar player and as somebody who i, I appreciate your guitar playing because you're not you know you're not a stand-up out front you know yeah, yeah. showboat like no i like to and you it. it seems like you've learned from you know from insecurity yeah. <laughs> and and sort of evolving through hatred and <laughs> well there's that but there's also the the reality of like showing up to do those cash records and realizing that you can't be a showboat yeah and you're up against some real shit and you've mm -hmm. got to be sort of honest about how you play mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. that you found the honesty of how you play my grandmother was influential because she was really into a company a company is yeah uh 
she she worked for David O. Selznick, like the Gone with the Wind producer. Yeah. She was really into movies, and she would always talk about the piano player, like like about how how beautiful this piano playing is right. against this vocal, and yeah. how like how the music's almost invisible and stuff. And, right. And, and that, I remember that always kind of stuck in my head. And I remember I really I, I had that in mind when all of a sudden I was with these great singers. I was like, okay, don't play when they're singing. <laughs> this is what you do. Not like, not time for lead licks. Don't, yeah, and then and then play something off of what when they're not singing. Play something simple that's sort of like what they sang. That's my fucking. That, that, that's what I do. You know, I mean, uh-huh. like, and and that's kind of what most I think people would do. You and know? you but, also, but I, I never thought about that. You right. Know? Like, I never thought about that. Like, as as simple as that. You right. Know? And and that's that's what I learned. Kind of, I really, I started picking up on that from playing with with Will Oldham and stuff. You know, he he taught me a lot about how to play with a singer. You right. know what I mean? Uh, right. So that's kind of what I do. You and know? also, it's like it's a queen sound. Yeah, yeah. You know, even if the guitar is dirty, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, yeah, because again, I don't, I'm I'm such a luddite and a spaz that I can't deal with pedals, and and my, I I don't think my hearing is particularly. I'm not like I'm not great at mixing. I'm not right. like a really I'm not a I'm not a tone freak. And but I think if you play with your fingers, you just you kind of will get a good sound. And like I, I fuck, I, I wish we had some guitars. I know, so dude. Could I show almost, me that thing. Fucking, I almost brought one. Well, you're gonna be a town. I'll, I'll, I'll we'll, we'll just come. Yeah, you could come come do it some. Let's do some. Uh, come to a comedy show. Yeah, dude, I'd love to. All I right, would totally love to. Well, you got to go eat with your mom. Yes, I do. All right, man. Good talk. Great. Thanks. Matt Sweeney, check him out, man. Check out that Super Wolf record and everything else. You know, go have a superiority burger. Do what you got to do. Go hang out with Matt. He's fun to hang out with. Oh, JustCoffee.coop. You get the WTF blend. I get a little on the back end. God, where's that fucking guitar, man? Fender champ forever.